0: What's up, everybody? It's been it's been a long time since we've had a podcast.
1: It feels like forever.
0: Really, it's been like a month and a half. Yeah. Um, welcome to the Being Church podcast, where we seek to inspire and encourage our St. Louis community. I'm Tom. With me is Elisa, as always. Hi, guys. And today uh, we have a special guest, Peter Polito, with us. Good afternoon. They said good morning. Hello. It hello. could be morning it wherever could people whenever, are listening. Yeah, wherever <laughs> you are. Good day to you all. <laughs> Uh, you might have seen Peter around the parish. Uh, but anyway, Peter, it's good to have you with us. Yeah, thanks I'm for, excited to be here. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Um so tell us a little bit about you, kind of where you come from and how you uh grew up, like your faith, your faith experience growing up.
2: Yeah, pretty uh I think classic uh 80s 90s Catholic upbringing. Um I'm the fourth of five, grew up in Southern California. Uh whole family was raised Catholic. Um I'd say we were more than nominally Catholic. Like my dad was involved in a lot of things. My mom was involved in mm-hmm. in some things. We, but we did like we didn't go to Catholic school, so we did the CCD thing, et cetera, et cetera. Nice. And um, it just kind of it is what it, it was. What it was. It wasn't yeah. uh, profoundly formational. I can't say I remember hearing or learning about like relationship with mm-hmm. God. Like mm-hmm. it, it was all just religious formality. Mm-hmm. Uh, till probably I was in high school. And then I would say I had this kind of peak of spirituality, an early peak. Um, and then the, uh, the bottom kind of fell out, uh, due to various things, Mm -hmm. um, where I kind of fell away, uh, never stopped going to church, but I just went through the motions. Mass was something I did because I felt really bad if I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, that was followed by, um, some, uh, experience with vocation and some, uh, really, I'd say some profound, sincere growth. And then that was, uh, again, followed by a, a bit of a falling away. And I would say over the past 10 years, really, since we've got to Austin, there's been, um, I might even attribute it, uh, before that, but really kids really, it makes mm. you decide like, okay, if I'm going to take my kids to church, but I'm not living the faith, like I'm, I'm teaching them to be hypocrites like that doesn't, oh, yeah. that doesn't, yeah. uh, it was, a, it was a gut check for me. Um, and there were other things going on at the time that really kind of helped push me towards that. But I would say over the past 10 years, it's been, um, becoming more and more and continues to become more and more of, uh, the most, uh, try to make it the most important thing in my life. Although there are times I act. Yeah. And ever since, I've, that, that,
0: since I've been here at St. Louis, I mean that that's, that's evident. Like, you know, I I see you and I'm like, oh, faith is very important to Peter. So that's that's interesting that I mean the the way that you just described your whole life, it was just this kind of a
2: sinusoid, if
0: you will. Oh wow. That is Peter's a a geologist. Oh. Is that a scientific term? It's a math term. It's a m I don't know. Or like it goes it goes up and down. (laughs) Oh, okay.
1: So how how did you Uh, get actually to like what brought you to Saint Louis? specifically like when you guys moved to austin did somebody recommend it oh my was gosh it, nearby? It, was,
2: it was a god moment um uh we can get into the the backstory of where i was when we got to austin yeah. in a little bit but basically we showed up uh we'd been married for at that point almost three years almost to the day actually uh, but we didn't have any community and uh we were in san francisco and we moved off of guadalupe near uh, 183 and okay. so we just looked up nearest church, St. Louis. Oh, wow. So we went first Sunday we were here. Um, I almost wore shorts because oh, it's summer so and I'm from uh, San Diego and that's what you do. And <laughs> you I walked in and I'm in like, San Diego. oh, gosh, thank God I did not, not wear shorts. Not at 930. <laughs> uh, People are walking around in these no, three-piece suits. No, and these right? Vests. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of you, Kyle, before. Oh, God. Um, and, uh,
1: <laughs> that's a pretty high bar.
2: Yeah. Uh, so i didn't wear shorts but uh after mass we walked out and um it was a a preaching it was john six was the gospel and deacon rob preached um a homily you would not hear in san francisco about Mm -hmm. uh, the true body of christ and so Mm. right away we're like gosh we got to come back here and then um like the thing that still almost makes me emotional we walked out and father larry uh was presiding Mm -hmm. and he's like oh you guys are new uh where are you from? Yada, yada. What can the church do for you? And we're like, you know, we, we really want community. Mm. And he stopped, looked around, pointed to three other people, called them over, introduced us. They took us out to breakfast.
1: Wow. Right and then?
2: Right then and there. Um, it was the young adult community. And um, we never uh, thought of going <laughs> to anywhere else again. Wow. That is so cool.
1: So like, I'm just seeing a pattern here. I Every single time somebody comes in here and tells the story of St. Louis, they have a, you know, I thought with Janet, oh, this is just like a, a small example, right? Like, this is just a blip. But as it turns out, the more I we talk to people mm-hmm. and what drew them into St. Louis, there was always just people who cared.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, uh, since we've been doing these, we're kind of doing our own survey of people. There's always this connection that happens. I mean, that was really good of Father Larry to be like, you guys are new. That's the hardest part, I think. We talked about being aware before. Yeah. Um, But that is so cool. Yeah, and I know that you guys have found this place to be a a true home.
2: Yeah, yeah, we moved for a while to Round Rock. We were like, I could almost throw a rock. I never would, but I could have almost thrown (laughs) a rock at St. William's. Um, But we drove right past it. um, Yeah. Down Mopac to come here. Yeah. Uh, It was our... It's uh where God is called
0: us to be. So that is awesome. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about what led up to you guys coming to Austin and sort of your story of mm-hmm. vocation. Because you mentioned that you thought you had a vocation, and I assume that you meant to the to the priesthood when you were a kid. Right? I did mean that. You did mean that. Okay <laughs> Not as a cool. kid, but yeah. Okay. So so talk a little bit about I wanna know how did you come to know that? Like what was your process of discernment? Um Funny story. Okay. <laughs> uh,
2: so uh, going back far enough, um, I was dating a girl a long distance. She lived in San Francisco. Oh, I lived uh, in San Diego, and I moved up there because uh, I thought I wanted to marry her. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I don't think she listens to the podcast, but within <laughs> like two and a half weeks, I'm like, this was a mistake. <laughs> oh, like. <laughs> uh but we stuck it out um for the semester and uh long story short at the end of that semester there was uh, a she was involved with this community religious community in san francisco and i started going and um there was a retreat at the end of that semester so it was like right before his advent uh of 2005 or something and um I just felt at that retreat that I had to break up with her like mm. it was done. And I did that, and it was really emotional really traumatic. And one of the – the, I don't – the head mother – I don't think she was a – they didn't have terms like mother right. superior. But anyway. They weren't into titles. Yeah. She um, – In San Francisco. They were uh, having a, their retreat every year. They all go on a month-long retreat. And wow. at the same time, they were having one for men who were discerning because it's predominantly oh, okay. nuns in the US and it was going to be shorter. And so they invited me to go down there. And uh, one thing about me is like, there, if I feel God telling me to do something, like, screw it, it's happening. You just do it. And yeah. like, I felt God saying, um, you need to be a priest. And I don't remember, I remember it was the day after the tsunami in Indonesia. Oh, wow. It's just like this, I don't know, just stands out. <laughs> Yeah. That's not really that important to the subject. But <laughs>
1: well, I'm a t- it, so those I- are two tsunamis. I mean, you know. <laughs> there
0: you go. That's oh, exactly oh. what I meant. A real tsunami. Yeah. And spirit, I mean, some if tsunami. somebody
1: says, if God says to you to be a priest, I mean, that's kind of upheaval.
2: Yeah. And so um, I remember it was at this guy's house. There was a swimming pool. And I just remember walking around it, pacing, praying rosaries, and just being like, is this really what you want me to do? Like, I'm going to do it. Is this really what you want me to do? I'm going to do gonna freak- it. Gonna, like, jump
1: in. <laughs> you're freaking me out. And God, so, um, you're freaking me out.
2: And so when I, and when another thing to know about me is when I do that, like, I'm going to tell the whole world cause I want to be held accountable. Yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> maybe not the best way to go about life. But, um, so that started off a year of radical upheaval, life-changing discernment. Hmm. I, um, moved in with, uh, four other guys, three other guys, three other guys, uh, in a flat in San Francisco we dedicated one room to a chapel. We were wow. going to prayer every morning at six thirty. These guys
0: were also discerning. Yeah, in the okay. same okay. community.
2: Oh, I see. Okay. Um, and like that was the first time that I gave God the time. Hmm. Like uh, in high school youth group, like I gave God the time, but like I was trying to look cool for the girls, yeah, and absolutely. I wanted to be popular, and there were so many other distractions. But yeah. that was like the first time. I really said, God, this is your time. I want to know you. I changed my major so I graduate sooner because I was certain as soon as I was done, I was heading down to uh, it would have been like Mexico City to go to their formation mm. and then um, spend the rest of my life as a missionary priest and you know working with the poor. Wow. And um, so, fast forward uh, about um, nine months or so, mm-hmm. almost a year. And I started to kind of have like these second guesses, like, is that really what you wanted? Am I really supposed to be a priest? I wouldn't call it like a crisis of faith. I didn't feel like I was um, reneging on what God told me, but I just had these little seeds
0: of doubt. So was it, sorry, can I, was it like in your discernment, were you like asking every day, like, Lord, is this still what you want? Is this still what you want? Or were you kind of just going with it? Until this. I'm point. certainly too pigheaded to ask. Okay. okay. So it was like, <laughs> I'm going to be a priest
2: God. Would you just get me there? Gotcha. Kind gotcha. Of, uh, bulldozer. <laughs> good self yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. That's cool. And so, uh, it was August of, I guess, 2005. So maybe it was 2000. I forget the timeline. August of the following year, I, uh, went down to Guadalajara for a month long silent retreat, mm-hmm. uh, spiritual exercises. And, um, I remember other than getting horribly ill. And that is a story for another time. That is, (laughs) that goes above the PG rating that we have here. (laughs) Um, I remember at the end, every guy there was talking about their affirmation of their vocation to this order. Hmm. And I remember not hearing that, just hearing God saying like, I love you. Like, and I, I read that as two things. One, Either I don't have a vocation to the priesthood, or at least this order, and two, or two, I am not spiritually mature enough to Mm. hear the vocation or that affirmation yet. Um, But it started these kind of, affirmed the seeds of, maybe I'm not supposed to be a priest. And so I came back, I was still living with these guys, and um, it was a very intense community. And so I locked that down, like Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to share that with anyone, these, these kind of questions. Yeah. Um, and so I'll go through the next semester, uh, and I'm still going through the motion, still experiencing God helping lead retreats now and, and these things. It's a great community, but mm-hmm. great time. Um, but, uh, again, these, these thoughts just kind of kept festering. They were just there. Festering is the wrong word. It wasn't like a bad, like an ill. It was just they were They're
0: were there growing. Yeah.
2: Nurturing. Um, and then, um, uh, out of the blue, this girl walked past me in class, and I caught myself sucking in my beer punch. And I'm like, whoa, I haven't done that in a year. What's up, girl?
0: And uh, that was Elizabeth.
1: Oh, my gosh. I love this story already. It was Elizabeth. oh So, spoiler
0: and, uh, alert, you got married.
2: Yeah. Eventually. Uh, eventually. But between that point and when we got married, um, I had to, like, we I had to come to terms with mm-hmm. where I was like is this and the first time we sat down for coffee I said this is great but it sucks because I'm gonna be a priest so oh, I see. um okay. wait you said that out loud I told her that oh wow and then um, then I called her wait that when night.
1: you saw her <laughs> when you saw her I'm sorry I'm a sucker for good love stories you who and isn't? A, you, you Elizabeth like you know when you just like write things about anyway you remind me a lot of the like the way you love her, like my husband is just he's just amazing also. So like, did you know Taking she was Catholic? On, I, I'm amazing too. Did you know she was Catholic?
2: Uh no. Or that
1: was that was just a plus.
2: No. Uh I after getting to know her, I knew that she had been Catholic, but hadn't been kind of actively Catholic. And she'll tell you that she was on her way back. I say I brought her back. Ah,
1: it was it was that magnetic. <laughs> I love you, baby.
2: Um <laughs> cool. but anyway, so uh so here I am with this kind of dichotomous feelings and trying to come to terms. And um, I felt that it was right that I was supposed to be married. Like, hmm. this this felt like affirmation. To yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you've been discerning for over... Like, I, I've been trying to learn who I was. And I felt like I'd, I'd made great strides. Looking back, I didn't know jack squat about myself. But at the time, <laughs> I knew right. everything about me. <laughs> right, right. Um, and so I, uh, I went to my spiritual director uh, at the time. She was... I think the, the backstory is she left, basically left a man at the altar to leave and about to become an Episcopal priest, your spiritual virtue. to enter the for- a formation, become Catholic and a nun. So hmm. radical, radical conversion, like very intense. And, and so she was a, an intentionally spiritual woman. And, um, I owe a lot to her except for this. <laughs> um, and so I told her, I said, uh, I, I don't think I have a vocation. And there was some kind of back and forth. And um, and I told her that, uh, you know, I, I was felt like I was called to be married. And I think I was falling in love. And I think in her head, it was like sirens. Like, this is a, a temptation. This is a distraction. This is Satan trying to pull you out of your vocation. Um, I obviously didn't feel that way. Um, okay. but then she, yeah. she did some things that, uh, imparted immense, uh, spiritual trauma. Mm. And, uh, she told me a few things. She said that, um, uh, A, that this was Satan mm. and B, by leaving my vocation, I was creating, uh, an open door for Satan to enter the world through my life. And that, um,
1: this is a spiritual director. Yeah.
2: And that I could never, uh, fulfill my vocation as a husband and father. And that my children would recognize my shortcomings because it was never meant to be.
1: Oh, my goodness. And
2: so. um, I feel
1: like I want to take off my earrings and fight this person. (laughs) Are you? Hold my baby. What? This is absurd. Yeah,
2: it was. um, Yeah. uh, It was intense. This is the first
1: time I have ever heard this.
2: It's not a well
1: from you.
0: Not a story I telegraph, and I guess I'm telling it to a few more people. Yeah, today, but... <laughs> that's okay. No, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, okay. And no, I'm not afraid is... of the story. Yeah, right, right. And that's that's important because I think, I mean, you hit the hit the nail on the head when you were like, I belong to this community, and I had these misgivings, and I kept that way down. Right. Like when we discern in the context of community, other people encourage us, mm-hmm. right, and they're excited for us and they want the best for us. But I don't know what I hear in your story. I mean, besides all this trauma that we can talk about in a second is just that like there were people in your corner when you wanted, when you thought you wanted to be a priest. Mm-hmm. And then you said, actually, I think God is calling me to this awesome way of life. And they weren't happy there. They weren't, they weren't necessarily happy for you. Mm-hmm. And that's hard on yeah. the discerner, right? Like I'm sure it took a lot of courage to go to that meeting and say to her, yeah, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Or well, I don't like, feel called to do this. Right, right, exactly.
1: I think that honestly, just listening to this makes me just kind of go down to the foundational uh, time that we are in in our church of renewal. And that is just the ability to be honest with each other mm-hmm. and not feel like the whole world is going to collapse if, if we're, if we're honest about, if we're transparent about things, yeah. you know, like, like it feels like we need to kind of, uh, get rid of the agenda a little bit and really yeah. just,
0: yeah. Like you had the courage to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and other people, it seems couldn't see that right away. Couldn't mm-hmm. respect that right away. And
2: I think, I wonder not to defend her in any way, shape or form, but I, yeah, because and I'm not trying I was to trash her. No, no. In right. Um, uh, in a way I, I'm sure I blindsided her because oh, I, yeah. I, 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 I won't say that I didn't say anything purely out of fear. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it was me. Like I, I told everybody I was going to be a priest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now I've got to face uh, all these people mm-hmm. that were so proud and so excited that um, maybe I'm going to be what most other Catholic guys are, and that's right. married and a dad, hopefully. Right. Um. And uh. And so there is. I think it boils down to a fear of God's providence not being enough. Yep. And so if I had trusted in God's providence, and I think I was, I was not mature enough, I didn't have enough experience of actually relying on the Holy Spirit to come through. Um, and so uh, I think had I been more reliant, I would not I would have been totally fine with just like, as soon as it happened, like, hey, doubt's over here. Sure, and right, kind of right. just bringing them along. It goes both ways. However,
1: right. I mean... Part of it is you, but you're at that point, you're a young man. Yeah. And so the church did say
2: the wrong things. (laughs) (laughs) Let me be clear. Well, just
1: even the community, just all of it is just kind of it. We would hope that we're set up to fumble through things together, Mm -hmm. right? Instead of like you have to have it all together and then, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it feels like we're all kind of stumbling through this thing whatever our vocation is and that we should be able to have the freedom to be honest with the places where we have uh, misgivings or Mm -hmm. doubts or whatever. And that our, our brothers and sisters in faith or brothers and sisters in, in vocation, whether that's the married vocation or the priestly vocation, that there's enough trust that has been built up that, that people are comfortable not only saying, Hey, this is where I'm at, but also, the people receiving are saying it's okay.
0: Right. They're not going to abandon you. Right.
1: Or, or, ju- I think there's a lot of like fear of judgment. Like, yeah. you know, we, yeah. we build it up and then, and then, and then there's no room to just like be human.
2: Right. Um, and one thing I will say though is um, let's just say, for example, that I was making the wrong decision, which I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if there's any spiritual directors or spiritual sages listening. Um, she approached it completely the wrong way like there are a thousand better ways she could have communicated to me her concern than tying me up and laying me on a railroad track with a freight train coming
0: like
1: well and for like decades for your entire future
2: yeah
0: she wrote
1: it for you without permission
0: i mean even if you don't believe that i'm sure you hear that all the time
2: i and my low points even today i hear uh that temptation to, to to believe that lie and, um, and what that did is it, it did a few things. One, it pushed my relationship, uh, my courtship with uh, Elizabeth kind of underground mm. with uh, anyone I knew there as I didn't want to make a stink. Um, I definitely pulled back substantially from there. Um, but it, it robbed me of the only community I had in San Francisco, mm. religious community. Wow. And so I felt like I could no longer go to the church that I went to because they were there. I can no longer be a part of the Newman Club, the Newman Center at my university, because they ran it. So it was like, I felt so much shame mm-hmm. that I my only defense was to pull myself back out of fear of their judgment. And all. she wasn't involved in any of those other things. Sure, like, I wouldn't right. have seen her at mass. I wouldn't have seen her at the Newman Club. It was Club. connected in your mind. But yeah. it, it was the order. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And so... And until we left San Francisco, which was three years after this point, I never felt at home in a Catholic Mm. church. Mm. And when I go home, or not go home, go back, um, and there's been a handful of times we've gone to church in San Francisco since then, I actually still am afraid I'm going to run into one of them. Mm. And it's just like this prickles on the back of my neck of like... Mm. I'm still being judged, which is stupid. Like, and all, who cares? Like, I don't care. But, <laughs> but that
1: just goes to show, like, how intimate our faith of it, faith is, and how careful that we have to be with each other.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, and how um, how damaging intentional or unintentional trauma can be, especially spiritual trauma. I think that's. I'm not going to put trauma in order of best to worst, but it, right. all trauma is bad, and spiritual trauma uh, has a profound effect in in, in a particular way that. Um,
0: it's just as damaging. Well, as... it radiates, right? It it could start spiritual, and then it it just it manifests itself in yeah. a lot of weird and ways. and you
1: worked through it, and you have a lovely wife and lovely children. But I'm just thinking, you know, and I think probably some of some of the trauma that she gave was trauma that she probably had.
2: You
0: can't give what you don't have, right?
1: Right? Or hurt people, hurt people. Oh, you know that's what I the other
0: mean? Way too. Yeah, that's interesting. Hmm.
1: But 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 I just wonder who else. Was under her care, you know what I mean? Like you seem to have, have been able eventually to heal and to find community, but there are people who, there are people who are, have been hurt by our our church or people within mm-hmm. our church, um, and in in just tiny ways and big ways and 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 to me that's just so it's so hard. Well, to yeah, hear.
0: and it's like what do you, what do you do, right? Like what do you do when because The community of believers is not perfect. We know this, right? Our recent history shows this too, that Mm -hmm. the church, people in the church make mistakes. Like, how do we, especially if you love, I don't know if you guys heard Father James read this little poem after this summer with all the scandal that was happening, but it was this like, the the gist of the poem was like, I love you, church, but you hurt me so often. Mm -hmm. Like, how do we continue to practice and belong to a church when it hurts us sometimes. Like, how did you do that? How did you, uh, did, I mean, did it do anything with you and God? Cause it did something with you in the church. You just said it made you kind of uncomfortable.
2: Yeah. If I look back um, at my, uh, you know, whenever I go to pray, I journal. Cause I, I, if I just sit staring at like an adoration, I'm thinking about what I'm going to do Thursday. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so by writing, I, I can kind of focus my thoughts and every entry is like, Dripping with despair, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. it absolutely affected every aspect of my my faith. And um, I didn't know it at the time. At the time, I just thought I was dirt, right? <laughs> um, keeping it PG, uh, <laughs> and so you. I I just assumed that it was me. Like it wasn't that God um, had pulled away. It wasn't that this, that, or the other. thing. It was that I. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I think that's really common for people to put it yeah. on themselves um when really it's not it's not your fault i mean i i hear that like people in that despair people who ha- have separated themselves from the church or feel separated from the church the only way they come back if at all is if someone goes out and pr- accompanies them, them back, walks yeah. with mm-hmm. them back um i mean i i know that elizabeth did that for you a little bit you guys kind of you brought her back you say but I, i'm sure she Together, brought you back yeah. too she brought me back too. There you go. <laughs> I love you, baby. Um, but but seriously, I mean, this is like, yeah, for people who experience a lot of trauma in the church, um, an institution that they love. I mean, especially those of us who work in the church, we have to think like, okay, how do we pave this pathway for healing? How do we say we're right. sorry?
1: And also, I just you know, I've said dumb they things. They have to so much. They Not have so much responsibility already. But I would say, um, you know, I have this conversation a lot with with my priest friends. It's just I, you know, I recently told one of my priest friends, I can say something to someone, like I can say, Man, great job on something. But if you say, Great job, because you have that caller mm-hmm. in so many ways, it impacts more for for better, for worse. And so this woman, she was, you know, she was a respected part of a, a leader in in our church.
0: And she, so- yeah, she
2: revealed God to me in ways I didn't even think was possible. Like she, I have so much to be thankful for, for what she did, um, but it is imprinted buy this baseball bat to the heart like right um, right and so
1: it that's you know that's one of the ways is just like you know encouraging encouraging our priests because they, they can't be perfect for sure they're they're human and are religious they're they're not perfect um and so that's a lot of you know praying for them first of all because like they 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 can um they can create such beautiful experiences but if if it goes south then it's you know, it could be something mm-hmm. like this, where it where it's yeah. So in much. in
2: hindsight, I and I think this happens a lot with priests uh, today. Is I elevated her? She was mm. more than a spiritual director. She was more than um, someone guiding my faith. I I put her on a pedestal as someone who, like, she helped me through some of the most complicated things, um, some of the most traumatic childhood experiences my life like came out in prayer and she walked me through them and it was it was it was wonderful but um that's a lot of trust because I elevated her it was um it was that much more traumatic and so I think you know moving forward like one thing we as a, a people need to do is um, not devalue our priests, but just recognize their humanity. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, um, and I think that that does two things. One, um, when they make a mistake, they're like, it's like, yeah, I, I do that too. Recognizing right. kind of the, the splinter in their eye is no worse than the timber in your own. Right. But then also, if you don't put them on such a high pedestal, you can love them in a profoundly more human way, which if, if there's nothing else priests need it is that oh, Right, absolutely, absolutely. And, and, Tom
1: and I talk about that all the time like our our priests want to be allowed to be human they you know yes
2: yeah. I can't imagine like having to be on all the time and so to, to one of my favorite things and I've, I've been honored to do this a fair bit is is hang out with priests when they're proverbial com- uh uh Collar is off. Like yeah, yeah. drinking beer, just shooting the breeze. I've gone camping and, yeah. and it's just been it's so delightful because you get the the experience of their spirituality and all their training as a priest, their wisdom, but then you get sarcastic jokes and right. you can kind of uh, pick on each other a little bit and yeah. uh and just and be uh what is it, Saint Iranius, properly speaking human. Like right. Right. you just get to be free. And so um I think at the time I certainly did not have that realization, but since then, I think that's uh, really informed the way I kind of approach priests and, and religious is, um, try to, to recognize that they're no better or worse than me. They have a very particular calling and a beautiful vocation and a gift that I can't, um, manifest on my own. Right. Um, but, uh, as Father James say, I put my pants on one leg at a time. I just confect the Eucharist. Yeah. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> Gosh. Uh, I put so my
2: good. pants one on one leg yeah. at a time and then I change a diaper. Like right. Right. Uh, it's, uh, I was going to say two sides of the same coin, but those are pretty different.
0: Those coins. are different. Yeah, yeah, they're different. <laughs> absolutely different <laughs> coins. But
1: both very, very necessary.
0: Yeah. Well, right. And so, I mean, this experience has, I mean, although it's impacted you so negatively, I think it's given you a lot of, um, perspective and sort of spiritual, uh, Wisdom, yeah, and something to chew on, mm-hmm. like for your whole life, right? And so, I mean, you are a husband and you are a father, and you say uh, Peter and Elizabeth help at the marriage prep class, and you say in your um, in your class that uh, one of the parts of being a Christian family is being human, kind of like just what you were saying. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of your greatest joys is watching your kids just grow up to be human beings, mm-hmm. to be creations of God. Joyful I mean, and most frustrating. <laughs> joyful and most frustrating. I'm sure. I'm sure there's. It's not all, but. Um, so, I mean, you followed this vocation to be a husband and father. Obviously, you don't regret it. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe. Do you regret it? Oh, yeah, you, you regret it. Grass is greener sometimes. Grass but is greener. It's yeah. like, <laughs> man, that rectory is pretty sweet. 99.9% <laughs>
2: of the time, I know I made the right decision. 0.01% of the time, I'm frustrated that I made the right decision. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's a great way, <laughs> to, put a great way yeah. to put it. That's great yeah. way to put it. I'm sure a bunch of priests, we know, say the same thing. Oh, yeah, totally. Maybe that was a little bit bigger than
0: it's bigger than nine, one, I mean. maybe 5 <laughs> maybe 5% <five, laughs> yeah, of yeah, the time, yeah. 51%. Yeah. So what's that experience of like living that vocation of family here at St. Louis? Because your kids are in school here, right? Yeah. Like you've, you guys have inserted yourself into this community. Yeah. We're, I'm trying to end this podcast on a high note. That this hasn't yeah. all been for
2: naught, right?
1: <laughs> oh no, this is definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I,
2: I would say that we have arrived at a place where we're at because in large part due to the community at St. Louis. Um, I think on a personal level, uh, it was dedicating myself to an hour of adoration. Mm -hmm. Um, and for, I felt like I just had to do it and gosh, it was like pulling teeth. I just sit there and nothing and nothing and nothing. And then I looked back three years later and I'm like, oh my gosh, like God was so alive in those moments. I just couldn't see. So that, that was a real big part of my personal healing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would say one of the most valuable things that I've experienced here is, is definitely community. And, you know, when you're a husband and a wife and when you have kids like, man, it can get so frustrating at times. Mm. And there's, it's beautiful. There's such wonderful times, but if the weeks where I think Elizabeth and I have the most difficulty is when we're overscheduled, too busy, and we are just us and i can't tell you how many times like when we're having the craziest week the last thing we need to do is to try and add one more thing and then we get a, a call like hey you guys want to come over for dinner and we're it's like i should say no i should say no i should say no yeah yeah what can we bring fomo and then yeah <laughs> totally that's my cross i bear <laughs> uh, Same. and uh and it changes everything because it it draws you out yeah it keeps you from being inwardly focused like as a family like as a dad. You're giving 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 to your children, but at the same time, if your family is just turned in on its side itself, it's kind of not really giving giving not giving and it, it really it's the it's so important to turn yourself out hmm. and find ways to to be with your neighbor and be with those in community and um, and it's not explicitly just the people in our parish you know we have friend we,
0: we do have friends outside yes, of yes. St. Louis which is hard is to okay? do. It's hard to find yeah. non-church friends sometimes. Yeah. Um anyway, different topics.
1: Yeah. This is another podcast.
0: Two, maybe three. No.
2: Um <laughs> but just that action of getting out and being able to just have a beer and talk about how hellish it's been mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. um what we've been going through. And I, I invariably we get together. Me and the guy go over here, Elizabeth and the girl go over there. And we're just kind of doing our own thing and it's great. And then after we eat, it's all four of us coming back together yeah. and it's great. And it just, it fills my heart to, um, be loved by mm-hmm. others and as best I can love others. And, um, it's that drawing out. I think community is so valuable because it draws you out. Yeah. It is not about, um, necessarily what you get, although mm-hmm. that, that's, Great, but it's that drawing out, and
1: I think there's such an also like when you're. I've recently just felt like I have found really good community, and so the good experiences that I have with the different friendships that either Junior and I have, or I have on my own, they have they have healed the places where friendships and uh, relationships have, Mm -hmm. because I've been like, oh. This is what mutual giving looks like. Yeah. This is what, uh, you know, because you are vulnerable when you show up for someone. And if they don't show up for you, that's hard. But when you when you get into this practice of these people really do love you, they are willing to show up or invite you out or whatever it is, it is very therapeutic to be around people who truly do want to love you and show up for you and be mm-hmm. good to you. So, you know, that I've found a lot of that here. Yeah, um, yeah. I
2: think, I think vocation – is the path of least resistance to the heart of God. And if um if we are giving ourselves to others, if we're being drawn out, you know the the, the vocation of a husband and a father is to bring life to your family. And so if you're doing that, like you're going to see God in others. Mm. God is going to speak to you through others. And um and so it just makes it easier. Like to be totally selfish, like it's easier to be a good version of myself. The best version of myself. Oh, that was very if, good. That was very good. If I get out of myself and put myself in positions to allow others to love me, accept their love, and try and give my love to them. Um, and so it happens with my kids. Mm-hmm. It happens with my wife. And that's the most important. Right. But um, it has to then go beyond that. Like if our, if our family isn't going beyond the walls of our home to love others and be loved by others, we're going to...
0: Not be the best family you can be. Right. You're not going to be the best version of ourselves. And Sunday also, tomorrow. like that's how we evangelize, right? Like, totally. as,
1: if that's our vocation to be a family, uh, the way that we best evangelize is showing up to mass, like all of us, all right, quick like, and it's being a out very... in the. It's a. Vi- it's not. I don't go around saying this is why our family loves each other so much. You mm-hmm. know, I don't like you know write manifestos. We just go out, and that's that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to go. And show it, and-, and, and
2: thank God, God is so good that He doesn't let us know in the moment. You're just like, oh, I'm loving this family so well. Look <laughs> at me being holy. It's like years later, you look back like, oh my, that saved my life, right? Um, right. God is merciful, in that He gives us blinders to the reality in the moment, and uh, and so kind of to to close out the the vocation. Um, there was a, a moment of radical intense healing that happened on retreat while here in Austin. And the word, the, the thing that was the most profound was, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. And I just understood that like, I am going to understand and I'm going to see God's heart through others. And if I don't pursue the heart of others, then I will be blind to God's heart. Hmm. And, um, and so it was like community, just like sirens, like it's got to be through community. And, and so I've, at times, not all the time. I try and be intentional like that. If, if I have never felt more joy, uh, I've almost never felt more joy than that. That experience of like where I always think of it like, uh, the, the, the curtain between me and God gets imperceptibly thin and I can hmm. almost feel his breath. Hmm. And, um, I want to go back to there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to live there. And, uh, I joke with my wife that I would love to die tomorrow because I get to go to heaven. <laughs>
0: Sorry, baby. She's brought that up before. <laughs> You're
1: good, but like he's amazing.
0: She's brought that up before. She's like, he can't die. He just yeah. can't. We need him right now. Yeah, <laughs> he's a good dude. But by, yeah. I mean, I'd be devastated if she died. Yeah, right. I <laughs> went
2: party. This pump. Um, so it's yeah, it's the heart of God. The heart of God is in community, and yeah. um, and so. If we want to experience God, the most profound way I know how to do it is by sharing your heart with others and and letting them see the woundedness uh, inside of you and let them have an opportunity to do something with that. Mm -hmm. And and maybe they're going to do the wrong thing and you're going to close back up, but maybe they're not. Maybe they're going to change your life and you never would have experienced that had you not um trusted in the providence trusted in the mm-hmm. holy spirit to guide you my brother says something i i just saw him this past uh, month ago and he said something that's just stuck with me like trust in the holy spirit so profoundly that if the holy spirit does not come through you will fail hmm. i don't think he made that up i don't think he's smart enough to do that <laughs> um, sounds like a pretty good quote yeah i love you dumb um but so that's that's really kind of put yeah a concise phrase to what I feel like God has been calling me to do, but it, because it's now so concise and I can be like, I can just repeat that in my head. Like it's, I feel like I'm trying to do it more, but just to trust so profoundly that, um, if God fails you, you are screwed. Right. <laughs> like, right. Completely.
0: And he won't. And he won't
1: because how many of us can say, can point to the places in our life and be like, God was faithful. God was faithful. God oh, yeah. was faithful. Mm-hmm. God. So now, now as a 41 year old you know, mama five, suburban mama five. It's way easier for me to be like, "Yo, God is faithful." Like mm-hmm. this situation looks really terrible right now, but yeah. he's already like, he has track record is incredible. So I'm just gonna go with. You
0: might say flawless.
1: Flawless.
0: Oh, it's flawless. Is flawless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, this is. I mean, your your story has a lot to it. Um, especially that whole idea. I mean, you just mentioned it. That the courage of vulnerability and the courage it takes to be vulnerable, the almost disadvantage to vulnerability. Someone can see that and really take a baseball bat right. to your heart. Um, but I mean, they can also see it and do something really great with it. You know, like what's it's, great
2: about it is nine times out of 10, if you're willing to be that vulnerable, even if they fail you, like it's temporal, like God still right, exactly. comes through. Exactly. Um,
0: exactly. As
2: long as you have community. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And, and trust because you were yeah. like, had I just known that, to trust yeah. wh- where he was in my life. Um, then I would have, like it would have pent, but I was younger and I, you know, when we're younger, we don't know as I much. And we-
2: 19, 20 years old. I know Jack squat. Yeah. Come on. Guys. I mean, I knew I a lot stuff. about rocks.
0: Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Discernment in the context of community is really important. And community needs to uh, like take care of those people who are, who are trying to figure their lives out too. You know, the young people, I mean, quite honestly, like the church right now is talking about young people and discernment. It's really important um to take care of young people while they discern and to mm-hmm. give them the tools to do that. Um and so it's, impor- it's important it's important to do just it well. It's
1: really important to take care of young people, period, as mm-hmm. a church. And young people want to know that they can be imperfect and they can be vulnerable and they can they don't have to have it all figured out and we still want them and we still love them and we still need them here. Um and that's just how we approach it. You know, Mm -hmm. we approach them like none of us have it all figured out instead of we have it all figured out. You have to check all these boxes and then you're in the club. No, it's like we're all a hot mess. Come join the party. Come join the
2: hot mess. Jump in the punch bowl. Right. Exactly. Sloppy in here. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But divine.
0: But divine.
2: Yeah. And the last thing I want to say is, um, uh, what I went through sucked. Like, mm-hmm. there's no way around it. And if there's anyone listening that has gone through something similar, and just needs someone to talk to, like the thing that has uh, helped me so much is to uh, talk about my story. And you know, there's, if you want to take me out for a beer? There's a lot more to talk about. <laughs> but uh, um, it's in sharing those stories, like that act of me being vulnerable, is uh, has helped others. But his, mm. Far and away, uh, yeah. this is a very this is a self serving announcement. <laughs> uh, it's helped me a ton, and right, so, sure, um, sure. I would love to uh shoot the breeze if anyone needs, yeah. To there's me. a lot
0: of power in our stories. That's cool that you are offering to share that one on one with people because I, I think it's really important. And we I'm need to do that. I'm a little vain, so I'm... yeah, but and you're like,
1: also a lot of fun. So, like, you're also like a hurting beer to tell the r
0: rated like... version. Of this oh, so bad. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The bleep version. We don't have that capability here, so...
0: Well, we
2: could, but I don't want to do that much work. Once the mics are off, I'll... I'll, Oh, (laughs) baby! Podcast after dark.
1: Well, we are so glad um, to have been able to uh, talk with you, Peter. We're so grateful that you came in. Um, Tom and I just really have grown every single time that we've had a parishioner in. We, ourselves, have taken so much from just... um, all the wisdom like there's a there's wisdom in stories i think that's why this is kind of the direction the podcast has gone because there's no better wisdom than than showing how god has worked in people's lives and, right. and not only just random people but our st louis yeah. people so mm-hmm. we're so happy that you were able to join us so thank you so much yeah thank
0: yeah, you man thanks for being here and if you like this episode make sure to share it with your friends peter's going to share it with everyone he gave a shout out to probably that to was elizabeth and his brother <laughs> yeah and Kyle I before. That. Oh, yeah. Cal D4. <laughs> I love you dude. <laughs> um like us and uh like us like you know whatever give us a like and yeah. a good rating and a subscribe and share All on that facebook good stuff. Yeah. Uh and we will see you next time on the Being Church podcast.
1: Go be church?